Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, thank you for another um, for attending another episode of Revenue Accelerators. Today I'm with Yossi Abraham of Zapix. Uh, Yossi, can you uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, hi there, Deep. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Yossi, Yossi Abraham. I'm the CEO of uh, Zapix. Zapix is a provider of digital customer engagement solutions. Um, whether the customers are consumers, patients, residents, and so on, we provide visual and digital self-service solutions to companies uh, in different verticals. So is it little, um, so can you elaborate a little bit on that? Is it kind of like um, modern day kind of like the chat, the chat bots and things like that, that show up on websites? Is that, is that? So we are, we are a modern day uh, chatbot, but we are much more focused on those uh, interactions that are coming into the contact center. So we are helping our clients, large enterprises that have a high volume of calls coming into contact centers, deflect them from agents, from live agents to self-service, to digital and visual uh, self-service. We help them deflect it when they're calling in. And then the caller, whether, again, they can be a consumer in the the e-commerce vertical or insurance Mm -hmm. and so on, we give them a very easy-to-use self-service on the mobile um, uh, tool that most often they are able to resolve what they called about and don't need to speak with an agent. And But we do keep the more empathy-needed, complex issues with the agent. So we offer, let's say, 75% of the use cases people call into the call centers. And in the healthcare, we provide also, we elaborated that more, we expanded that in the healthcare for complete digital patient engagement. How can we transform the engagement between healthcare providers and the patients, move them from voice to digital, from paper to visual? Interesting. So, so what's uh, the consumer experience? So they're on the phone. So it's IVR and they just kind of like, if you're ta- calling for this, you push this number. If you're calling for that, you push this number. And then yes. based on the numbers they push, when you say it deflects them from so, the phone, what, what is that experience like? So they're being asked, uh, let's say there's a long waiting time or something like that. Would you like to uh, resolve your issue with our new self-service uh, solution? Click one, for example. They click one, they get a text from us in mm-hmm. immediately. They get a text with a link. When they click on the link, it opens up on their default browser, on their phone, on their iPad, on their computer. It opens up a web app, uh, and we call it on-demand app. And we call it on demand because it comes up whenever they need it and then it disappears. They don't need to download anything or anything like that. That is focused exactly on the use case they called about. Oh, so fantastic. let's say someone calls in about, I want to check the status of my order. They go directly to that specific uh, interaction. They complete the details there. We pull all the relevant information from the backend systems and we present it. Or if they want to submit a claim, 
They can submit a claim for insurance. We're currently supporting roadside assistance companies that the full automation of, you know, retrieving the policy, doing the, we know their location by geolocation, Google services, et cetera, et cetera. So full automation, digitization, and much faster user experience. So it doesn't just send them to www.acmecompany.com and then have them search for stuff themselves when they get there. No, our experience is tailored focused for our clients, for our clients' customers, Mm-hmm. for those specific use cases that we are working with them about. That's awesome, actually. So depend, so depending on the IVR number they choose, um, as they build, as you grow out your use cases, I suspect, if they choose number one and that's the most common one that the company, your, your customer starts with, then that'll be a little bit more detailed to take them straight to that page. Yes. And then number two might be a little bit more generic as you build those out. So. Okay. Yeah, so we work with our clients and we build those use cases based on uh, Pareto principle. You know, the Pareto principle always wins. Typically, they have uh, three to five main use cases or reasons people call in mm-hmm. that are consuming 60 to 80% of the volume uh, of the calls coming into the call center. So these are what we are focusing on. That's awesome. So so how how did you get here? Like, why Zappix? Why was this the idea that you settled on that this is the problem you're going to solve? So uh, I have over 25 years of experience in the high-tech industry. I uh, I actually started as a project manager at a company called Converse in Israel. Um, I was, uh, after several years in that role, I was relocated to London, uh, again, from Converse. I managed their large services team. I was responsible for... Um, a group of uh, both customer service engineers, project managers, pre-sales engineers uh, for in, in Western Europe. After four years there, I was relocated again to the Boston area uh, by Converse. Uh, I've done multiple roles and uh, and then I landed in sales. Uh, so, uh. so I started actually from the services side, from project mm-hmm. management, customer service uh, management, and so on. And then I landed in sales about 10, 12, 15 years ago. Um, and and then it opened up the, the world of business and uh, sales and marketing actually opened up uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, after uh, my last role at Converse, I was responsible for all the sales and marketing of our services business unit. Uh, the company at that time was structured as uh, four or five different business units. I was responsible for sales and marketing of that uh, division. And it was a combination of both all the maintenance contracts, which was which were very significant for the company. But in addition, we started based on the idea that we had to build a new managed services offering. So we had to change a mindset in the company of a product company that needs to now sell managed services. And okay. I, and, and that was a, an amazing experience because we, we had to uh, start to sell something that was not, you know, in, in not available in the mindset even of people. When you sell a product in the telecom industry, CapEx, OPEX, boom, yep. done. You, yep. know, you have a price list and, and yep. you go and sell it. NRC, um, MRC, and yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And, and also, you know, feature functionality, we can do this, our competitor can do that. When you mm-hmm. sell managed services, it's a totally different... Uh, it's a complex sale. It's a complex sale, and 
very quickly we had to find and we found out that we need to bring different people that can be we call it solution consultants that can accompany the account executives in the different roles so i built a new team of solution consultants of managed services we built a new com- completely new sales uh, documentation around it commission plans had to be revised because it's totally different now uh, yeah. you want In managed services, you want long-term sales, uh, long-term agreements. Mm-hmm. Uh, margins are different. If you cannot compare the margins of CapEx to and so on. You, you raise a good point, commission structures, which most sales leaders and sales managers and sales reps themselves don't really have. They're not able to influence, but, but the idea of kind of walking that tightrope where it needs to be achievable to a point where the sales reps... Are going to do it they'll actually be able to accomplish it they'll make you know they'll make enough money it'll it'll, it'll incentivize them to, to pursue it versus um versus keep you know potentially especially if you're building something from scratch i'm kind of curious like how did you set those commission structures to where people actually you know they didn't just throw their hands up and leave the company because they're like i'm never going to get paid because it's impossible to actually achieve this so i had a couple of responsibilities here one is to build a commission plan for my team which are were solution consultants but we mm-hmm. we were an overlay team that were supporting the account executive executives in the region so okay. the regions were across all the different business units mm-hmm. and then as a business unit you have to fight for the attention of the account executives in front of the customers that you want to sell your product yes to. yeah so air time your, yes The two-part so sale, you got to sell to the executive first before you can even get to the customer. Exactly. So what we did is we actually, I, I learned the structure and I knew it before because I was a, I was a, a VP sales in one of the regions before. So mm-hmm. I knew more or less the structure of their comp plan. And what I showed them is that if they sell one managed services deal, they can, they can uh, make their entire annual comp plan. So, I love it, yeah. And, and that's how I started to get airtime in front, uh, valuable airtime in front of uh, the account executives in the regions. Mm-hmm. And and then you see, you know, and this is one of the main things that I, it's listening, you know, uh, one of them. And you see and you absorb who, is, who are the ones that you feel will be the ones that will carry you on. And where are your champions within the region? Mm-hmm. I focus on three or four of them. And that's where I focus my team. You know, we had limited resources where we're a small team at that time for the managed services. And that got us huge success in the company um, because we bet on the right people there based on... So that was, so, so was, would you say your first role in sales was as a sales leader? Did you ever yeah. have the job yourself? You just inherited a sales team and you inherited a quota and you kind of had to figure it out Without... My first role in sales was VP account management, uh, responsible for about $25 million budget uh, uh, quota. Wow. That was my wow. first role. But I was okay. before that, I was very close to the sales team all the time, uh, mm-hmm. as service director, as project management director, and so on. I was always very, very close to the sales team. And then I was lucky enough to be at the right time, at the right place, where um, the previous sales uh, VP account management that I replaced He got promoted to lead the entire region and he pulled me from wherever I was and told me, I want you to replace me. And uh, I so was lucky he, enough to do that. Did he provide you with like 
Because that's a, that's a pretty big step. So I remember going when I was a sales, what you call a solution consultant. I was a sale, pre-sales engineer for telco at one point in my career. And that was comfortable for me because I didn't have to drive the sale. I didn't have to own the relationship. I didn't, it, I wasn't necessarily responsible. I was always kind of the number two yes. in, a, in an opportunity, but I, I was aspired to being a sales rep. Um, funny story. Exactly. Uh, um, actually, um, the way I, I stumbled into sales because I applied for a sales engineering job, a sales kind of architect job. And when I got the phone call, um, back then, this was in early 08, um, I get the phone call and we didn't have iPhones at that. I didn't have an iPhone at that point. And so a lot of times the numbers were, I remember I, that was once upon a time when I actually remembered everybody's number. <laughs> and so, um, 415 came, the call came in from 415. I didn't, without even looking at the other seven digits, 415 is from San Francisco. Yeah. I presumed it was a good friend of mine. And, um, and just kind of laid into it. I'm like, Hey, I was incredibly warm. I was incredibly friendly. It turned out it was not my friend. It was the recruit. It was the high, it was actually the sales director that managed both the sales team and the sales engineering team. And just from that warm um, kind of response to his phone call, he was like, I, I thought I was interviewing for the sales engineering job the entire time. And he was interviewing me for a sales uh, an account executive job the entire time, even though he was calling me from my resume on the sales engineering job, just from my opening, um, he, he, in his mind changed it. And so when I finally get my offer letter, um, it was for a sales executive and not a sales. And, and, you know, after a little bit of consternation and fr not frustration, but concern about like, I'm not going to be good at this job, even though it's a job I wanted to do. Um, he, he was kind enough to be like, all right, you know what? Why don't you try it for three months? I think you'll be great given your personality. Um, and if it doesn't work for you, I'll, I'll put you back. Cause fortunately at that point, he owned both teams, the solutions team and the, and the sales team. And so he let me do it. And, and I, it, I struggled. I, I, you know, I, I fell on my face a few times and I have plenty of stories there, but, um, but he, but I never looked back kind of, I was able to do it. I kind of picked myself up. He helped me kind of figure out what the cadence was, how, you know, the call sequences and all of those things to kind of get started. And, um, and I kind of figured out the rest. And so, but that where I'm going with this and you know, kind of to make a long story short is when you took that team on and you didn't carry a bag and now you had to actually show you had PNL around like the revenue that you yourself were responsible for um, and, and the expenses and the size of the team, like, how, how did you like, what, yeah, how did you feel? And then how did, like, did you get support? Like, how did you, how did you manage that? The first three months, let's say, right. In that, in that experience, what did you go through? So first of all, it's, it's a huge uh, difference or huge change from doing any, any role that is not sales to sales. Yes. And the main reason is for my, from my point of view, sales is zero or one. There are no shades of gray. Either yes. you make the sale, you bring the numbers, or you don't. Versus all the previous roles I was doing before, even you know, project management, heading services teams, head of PMO, uh, chief of staff, there are always 50 shades of gray there. <laughs> and you can always have excuses why the project was delayed, it was R&D, yeah. product, but no one gives a shit. They if you're don't. So, so it's, yeah, if it's close, and, it's not good enough. And, and that's a mindset change that 
I had to to make almost day one and that's a and that's something that my my manager at that time told me look I'm betting on you but this is it now now you need to make the sh- things happen and we don't care about excuses and I took that note very very uh, to my heart uh, immediately uh, second thing I had to uh, I had to deal with is uh, there were team members in the team there that wanted the role themselves and uh, they could not understand how someone that comes from services is getting becoming their manager so um, oh, one yeah, of them that's... you know was so pissed that uh, he resigned and said okay go you know um, that's it and I, I did get all the backup from my from the management of the company mm-hmm. that was good and then I recruited a team that was you know uh, people that I wanted to run there and uh, and uh, I again it wasn't a new industry for me these were customers I knew before and so on so that was from that point of view of knowing the material knowing the company knowing the culture knowing uh, the products we sell I knew all of that the main difference for me was now and I managed people before so it wasn't leadership and management was something I'm comfortable with but the main change is this mindset of zero or one that's it there is a deal or no deal yeah. and, uh, and that's something that Every time I recruit people now and so on, I'm, I'm really looking at, are they closers? Can they close the deal? Are they hungry enough to close the deal? Yeah. And can they do it? And that's How, big is your sales team? How big is your sales team now at Zappix? So Zappix, uh, today we, are, we have about five people in the sales team between uh, sales account executive, sales support, and, uh, and, and we're still a company that is growing. Uh, we're... Uh, yeah, but we started with only me as a salesperson. Now we have a team and uh, we're growing. So that's uh, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That that's great. Um, so you know, in your in your travels, which you know, one of the things I love to ask guests on the show, um, are there any any lessons that life and or the profession of sales have taught you that you can share with the listeners about kind of, um. Yeah, maybe a decision or something that you know you were faced with the first time. You may not have made the right decision the first time out, but the lesson that you learned has helped you get to where you are right now, where you are. So there, there are several things I would say. Uh, one is listening. You know, there's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth, and uh, <laughs> and and many times you see with salespeople that they they really are in love with their voice, and they and they just want to talk and talk and talk. Um, and the other challenge that I also see sometimes with sales engineers, and especially is that they they want to speak about the product, they want to speak about the features, and they want to show all the different capabilities and everything else, but they don't listen to the p- real problems. And I'm, yeah. I'm really, I want to emphasize the word, the real problems of the customer or the prospect. And one of the things that uh, I remember that we we went large team uh, to a prospect. We were like six people that we came to that. We flew in, we we prepared and so on. And it was a six hour meeting that we had to demo a, a very complex billing system, et cetera, et cetera. But at the beginning of the meeting, they said something that all of us missed. All of us missed something about the user interface or something like that of that building system that we all missed. And we passed the six hours and and then they tore us apart. And they tore us apart the entire summary and so on. And and 
and and we we realized uh that it was something very technical so i also missed it because of you know uh different reasons and and i i learned from that a lot so we need to and and today what i'm trying to to do is to first of all listen to our prospects and find that hook find that hook that is really important for them um we met a certain uh, hospital that uh um uh, that we sold to eventually we, we did close the deal and i found that the, the person that got us in the champion uh that person told us look what we really need is abc and um and among all of the things you're doing focus on that and that was like the the simplest most <laughs> unvaluable part of our solution in the past i would say i would have probably avoided that and that's it but now we we change our entire presentation we change our entire the conversation mm-hmm. with them to start with that to emphasize that we listen to them and that when I mean, we got the deal eventually and then after that we expanded to our additional capability to the additional capability yeah, yeah. The, the land and expand strategy is huge but to your point about listening you know i often found success or find success personally in the spirit behind either the statement the want the ask the the yeah. question whatever so they might say hey i want to go left or I want the color blue, whatever it is, whatever the, the product is or the feature that they're expecting. And that's, I think a good sales rep understands that's a perception from which they're coming from that they believe that they need blue. They need it in blue, whatever it is. Um, and the, it's up to the rep to actually kind of e- extract out why the customer feels blue is the best way to go. Yes. And, and based on understanding the reason from the spirit behind why it's blue, why the, the, the request is this way, then you have a better, you have a better position from which to deliver the story of your solution and why it delivers the color blue or, or what have you. Absolutely. And, and when you really listen and you don't just hear the words, but you hear their, intention their motivation and so on a lot of times it's personal motivation let's be honest you know a lot of times it's those executives or yep. decision makers that have a personal motivation that they want to do sometimes it's to just piss off someone else in the organization yep. or sometimes they want to be the hero they want to be the hero they want but you need to understand that motivation of the champions of the decision makers and uh, why do they want to choose blue as you said there yeah. um, and if you if you can understand that and then convert your pitch to that direction and then then your then your goal uh, i love it, it it's hard it's not easy but it's uh it's doable but you're right i think it requires a certain like when you mentioned about the the people that you look to hire for the zero to one and closers and so on the i think sales requires a certain curiosity like a natural yeah. curiosity to at least the successful ones right they, they're kind of curious about why why is this customer doing this or why is this prospect doing this like what's the not just from a company standpoint to your point like what it's not just the kpis the okrs and the you know whatever the whatever the ceo says but that person that you're talking to what drives them like why are they sitting in the chair across the desk from you why are they listening to you why are they having the meeting with you exactly and then the second lesson is communication you know uh, everybody's talking about communication but i think here it's really You need to adjust your communication and communication style to the, your audience and I, I know it's again it's it's very uh, everybody's talking about it but when you when you talk with 
an executive, you need to talk in a certain way. When you talk with uh, the sales, with the technical team, with IT team, you need to talk differently. Yes. And, and I'll give you an example. In one of our recent presentations, we met uh, as, as a CIO of that enterprise came on the meeting and it, we, we didn't expect him to join that meeting. And in one of our, you know, um, unique attributes that we bring, we, we write there minimal IT to no IT is needed. And that, of course, boom, red flags. What do you mean? Oh, you think you can do it without IT? <laughs> he almost killed us there. And, and just because, of course, if we would have known that he would be on the call, we would have removed that bullet from our mm-hmm. from our deck. But but this is a, a good example of how you need to adjust the communication, uh, your communication to uh, to your audience. Um, Really understand that when you talk with technical people, they don't want to hear about all the fluffy business uh, attributes, business value and all of that. But on the other hand, we sometimes fall into the trap of showing so many boxes and arrows when we talk with the business people. So yes. we really need to adopt that. And uh, one Balance. of the things that uh, I'm, I'm guiding my teams across all of my career is know your audience and let's make sure that the the message, the story is 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 a fit to that audience that you're coming with and uh so so how have you how have you slayed that dragon the the dragon of you know because when i when what i'm saying here is like there's a tightrope that you're explaining right you know you could fall off on the right side of the tightrope you could fall off on the left side there's there's so many so many ways to go wrong depending on who's in the room so what's your solution in terms of presentation, when you prep and you don't necessarily know definitively, or let's say you do know, let's say you, you know, there's going to be some technical people, technical leadership in the room. And there's also going to be some business leadership in the room. What does your deck look like at this point so that you know that you're able to hit both sides of the, of the room? So it has to be a combination of both, but you also, when you talk about it, when you present it, you might start and say, uh, you know, you when you talk about the business value and the benefits and so on then then it's in the section that is you know you you clearly clearly define the different sections of the presentation that um you know that now the antennas of those business people are is is ah, i love it and so on yes. and when we go into a technical then sometimes we even make a joke we apologize we know that there's a lot of boxes and so on but we know that you know you have to see it you need to see that how it may how we how it works so even if you have to show and there's different types of audience, which I don't see too many, by the way, I, yeah. what I see recently, especially now in this new Zoom kind of selling, mm-hmm. you can be very tailored because you don't need to fly out five people to every meeting. Now we do everything uh, remote. Yes. Um, so you can really schedule meetings with specific one or two to two or three people and, and tailor that. That's a great that point. Meeting to them as opposed to the past when we flew four or five people to dallas seattle wherever and then you try to put everyone in a room and that's it i don't i don't see it anymore uh it's really changing so. that's a good point actually you know um you're absolutely right because i've i've experienced the same that it's been the conversations are a little bit more particular or detailed around yep. who the person you're meeting with and you you know if they're not interested in the go-to-market strategy of whatever you're selling because if you know whatever they don't care about how it's actually like um how their the customer salespeople deal with it and that's not their problem then they'll like they'll they, you you solve that problem with the other person like yeah. talk to me about my problem and so yeah that's a great point 
Um, I love it. Uh, Yossi, is, um, as we kind of come towards the, the end point of this um, interview, is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners that I didn't ask you already? No, uh, I think, first of all, thank you for having me. And I think that it was a great conversation. And uh, the, the only last thing I would say is is keep learning, uh, continuous learning. Um, and now, yeah, especially with all the changes in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and all of that, uh, uh, I am, I'm, I'm, you know, 25 years of experience, so you can imagine how old I am and so on. I keep learning, I keep uh, reading, I keep experimenting with new technologies, new uh, new stuff, everything around, you know, generative AI and how can how can we how can it help us? Uh, yes. Because if you're not at the forefront of it, someone else will be and they will they will get they will take your place uh, both as individuals, but also as companies. Um, so keep learning. Don't shy away from technology. Technology is great, and uh, and be at the you know know the cutting edge technology. You don't have to implement everything, but at least you need to know it and be aware of it. Yeah, I, I couldn't and, agree more. Otherwise, you're going to be one of the dinosaurs that have been yes. that have gone extinct if you don't kind of stay with the times. And it's hard for anyone listening. It is hard. It's a, it's a struggle to kind of uh, stay stay up yeah. to date, but. But kind of consider your craft and sales um, is your craft and you're constantly learning and being better and improving yourself, like Yossi says. So 100%, Yossi, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, I wish you all the best with Zappix. Thank you. Thank you, Dee. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you on the other side. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 